This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Ringgit and Sense on BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning, you're tuned into Ringgit and Sense, the show all about personal finance, and I'm Simwee Boon. You might have noticed lately that everything around you is starting to get more expensive. From the food you eat, to the services you receive, and clothes you buy, and pretty much everything, the prices are going up. If you're looking for an answer to why this is happening, you'll probably stumble on words like inflation or stagflation. But what exactly is inflation or stagflation? How does it affect you and me? Uh, How does it affect your savings, your investments, and what can you do about it? We'll try to get some of these questions answered on today's show with my guest, Ng Zi Hao, the Head of Retail Wealth Distribution with Manulife Investment Management. Good morning and welcome to the show, Zi Hao. Okay, so let's start off with how do you tell the difference? Uh, can you maybe explain to our listeners the significance of inflation and stagflation? I think everybody understands inflation very well. Stagflation is mainly referring to low growth. You know, your environment is experiencing low growth while uh, high inflation. So with COVID-19 disrupting supply chains, uh, the world is facing the threat of heightened inflation. Central banks in some emerging Asian markets have started to hike rates. If central banks are hiking rates, short-term bond yield will rise substantially. But deposit rate may not move in tandem, resulting in lower or even negative real rates. So, depositors should focus on their investment needs and their financial goal from time to time. Uh, I take myself as a personal example. I think my personal rate of inflation is around 6%. Everyone is different. So I need a higher rate of return to match the increasing pressure from inflation. Because my 6% inflation, if my deposit rate is 2.5% from the FD, I'm having a negative rate of returns. So when you set these targets of inflation, right, it applies to stagflation as well, right? As long, let's say, your personal rate is 8% for inflation always, right? Even if you're experiencing a stagflation, that 8% number is still a attainable number or do you have to adjust based on that? I mean, this uh, investment line, so I would adjust my investment portfolio with my risk tolerance level and my financial objective. So I will try to achieve uh, something that is better than that. Is there a difference on how inflation and stagflation impacts one's savings and one's investment in terms of the returns and how long it goes? Uh, I think we can categorize it as the same, uh, even though the two words uh, will have different meaning. Uh, Why do I say so? Because... It is about getting your real rates of return. Uh, don't be eroded by inflations. So get yourself invested for potential higher returns. So you can consider equities, properties, REITs, something that would give you uh, your personal rate of inflation. Okay, so... Um, before we get into these like different investment strategies that will protect you against in in, in inflation, right? Um, you know, I just want to get on more to this kind of like concept that we have. I think the most 
basic foundational form of personal finance for many of us is to save, right? And, you know, you save what you make, don't simply spend it, especially in such times. But, you know, there are those of us that suddenly that turns it, it becomes very focused into saving and relying it and using just one form of savings uh, to plan for our future and our retirement. And that, that carries risks as well. You know, maybe can you talk a bit about the drawbacks of not investing and, and uh, only having one, you know, one stream of income or just saving, you know, I think savings and investings are definitely two different things. You know, savings is basically putting your money in the banks with a fixed rate of return. Uh, no investing, if I use an old story and an analogy of keeping your money under the bed, the nominal value, let's say 100 ringgit, will remain as 100 ringgit, but your purchasing power will reduce over time. Simply put, investing even in a single asset class like savings or one asset class is typically insufficient to meet investment objective. But by expanding the investment universe from a single asset class to different asset classes or from local to international markets, the risk of over-concentration in a, in a single class is reduced. Yep. So in other words, basically just don't put all your eggs in one basket and spread it out, right? That is right. You need an investment portfolio. Yep. And which also brings you a steady stream of returns because I think another thinking that people do sometimes is they're investing in uh, something, hoping to only reap the returns years down the road. And in between, there might be some difficulty as opposed to kind of receiving dividend-based income. I mean, can you talk a bit about that in terms of where these strategies lie? Dividend-based or income streams, uh, we normally classify that as uh, income funds. Uh, I can use an example. REITs is a, a real estate investment trust. So we have REITs in the region and we are investing in REITs. So REITs pay income. They are largely classified by the underlying property. Most REITs own one type of real estate property uh, that have retail, uh, shopping malls, offices, industry REITs, and even hotels. So some REITs uh, owns more than one properties. They own many types of properties. So in this case, REITs uh, appreciate in value given time and they receive rental income. The rental income will be paid out and investors such as us will receive a steady stream of income. So, you know, you can diversify yourself with different types of REITs, R retail REITs, office REITs, industrial REITs, uh, that is warehouse, uh, logistics, for example, hotel REITs, healthcare REITs, you know, you can diversify and receive your income. Okay, well, before we get more into kind of the benefits of REITs and maybe how it looks like in these times of inflation and inflation, I think, you know, to talk about REITs to an investor at this point, I think the past two years with COVID and everything has somewhat, has, has negatively impacted REIT returns. How would you 
explain to a prospectful investor or someone that's looking into REITs, right, to convince them, right, like, look, that time is over and now the post-pandemic growth is is where you will see REITs uh, truly bring value, right? Is, is, is that correct to assume? I mean, how would you explain this? You're right. So we are at a stage of uh, recovery, especially when you look across the, the globe. So we have got a Sharia Global REIT. So we invest in global properties. People are returning to office and people are moving from their hometown back to the capital of the country. So they are moving back to the offices uh, and shopping malls. Uh, You are seeing crowds going back uh, for their shoppings and groceries. And even over the last two years, when online and e-commerce is very popular, REITs, certain REITs actually benefits from that situation, such as uh, warehouse logistics, uh, because, you know, when you order your goods from uh, online shopping, you need to go through delivery. So warehouses and industrial REITs, uh, telecommunication tower REITs uh, for internet, 5G, uh, those REITs are actually in favour uh, during the COVID time. But now things, as you say, are very different. You know, we see people moving back to a condominium, so residential REITs is performing fairly well. Offices, industrials are experiencing the same thing. When it comes to REITs, right, do the OPR rates impact REIT investments? Uh, yes, in one way or another. Uh, first of all, when OPR rate increase, uh, just like uh, the recent high of 25 basis point, uh, with the increase of rates, um, people tends to look for higher yield. But that doesn't mean uh, you get higher yield straight away. Uh, bond yield spike but not necessarily uh, the yield coming out from REITs. And the REITs itself, if they are heavily leveraged with high borrowings from the bank loans, it is going to impact their total returns uh, because uh, a bigger pool of money uh, will be used to service the loans. And hence, lesser total return, if not a lesser payout. Okay, we're going to take a short break for some messages. Don't go anywhere. Stay tuned. BFM 89.9. Ringgit and Sense on BFM 89.9, the business station. Welcome back. You're tuned in to Ringgit and Sense. I'm Sim Wee Boon. And today's topic is hedging against inflation. Specifically, what are some of the asset classes you can look at to help you hedge against inflation? Joining me to discuss this is Ng Zihao, the Head of Retail Wealth Distribution with Manulife Investment Management. Okay, Zihao. So what's the benefit to holding REITs uh, in in lieu of maybe investing? Because I mean, the entry to REITs is basically an entry to the property sector, right? So, but why should one consider REITs instead of uh, outright investing in the property themselves? What's the, the kind of uh, advantage of looking into REITs now, especially? The common ways of investment in properties here is direct ownership. You go through the search of a suitable unit, engage a lawyer to execute sales and purchase agreement. 
if you need a bank loan, then the bank interest must be counted as part of the purchasing cost. And you try to get a good tenant at the same time maintaining the property. Whereas investing in REITs fund provide the advantage of fund management expertise, liquidity, a simpler process, global diversification, and perhaps even lower entry fee. How do you determine what's a good read? I mean, you just mentioned, right, like in, in the line of work that you do, you pick the good reads, you pick the to invest in, right? So what are the criterias to, uh, to determine a good read? All right, there are many to it, but if I can make it simple, we look at market situation, we look at the supply and demand of properties, we look at locations. Very importantly, we also look at occupancy trends rental outlook, and tenants' profiles. Uh, these are very important to REIT's ability to generate and to grow their net property income. Of course, the management of the REITs, the team that is behind it, are important considerations. And are there different criteria for local versus international REITs? Because you did mention, right, we can't just invest locally. We need to look outside of Malaysia to different countries as well, right? Where does REITs come in from this angle? What I will do is, you know, go global because I will have exposure in properties located uh, in the Western world, Europe, US, in Asia, in Australia, uh, in Hong Kong, in Singapore. So that's how I would do it, get myself exposed to different types of REITs and in different locations. And I may be investing for myself for a steady income stream or I would like to pass it on uh, as legacy planning. Right. Okay. Um, outside of REITs, uh, you did mention something interesting just now, which is Sharia funds, right? I mean, in this current inflationary, stagflationary environment, how do Sharia funds come into play? Sharia compliant investments uh, somehow will give a better peace of mind because it has got two levels of screening. Business activity screening, number one, and number two, financial screening. Uh, the business activity screening is basically getting rid of the non-halal sector. The financial screening is the one that we are very interested because, uh, you know, uh, they emphasize and look at leverage a lot. I call you one example. Uh, the borrowing should not exceed one third of your assets. So that will manage your leverage and your borrowing. So the management behind is a lot more conservative. The risk of paying mortgages, paying a loan subject to interest rate fluctuations will be better managed. And hence, you know, stronger balance sheet and lower risk, uh, in our opinion. But lower risks also sometimes mean lower returns, right? So how do you reconcile that? And how do you, uh, how do you make peace with uh, a possible lower returns in your portfolio? Uh, that is a good point 
However, I have a, a, a different perspective because lower risk to me is quality. Uh, quality doesn't mean uh, lower returns. You know, we are, well, we are looking for quality. We may be able to uh, find some good uh, stocks or good REITs or good investment that potentially gives you reasonably good rate of returns. How do you assess what's a good Sharia fund? So as investor, we don't normally just outright compare between a conventional investment versus Sharia investments. What we look at is basically the fundamentals, the, the fund management behind it, the selection process, the investment objective, your own risk tolerance level, and of course, your financial goals. In many cases, I think the two complements each other. Uh, I just give you an example. Uh, a, a Sharia-compliant investments are not exposed to financial services such as conventional banks. Uh, with that, a, a lot more allocations may be invested in healthcare sector, in uh, technology sectors. So there are different times that certain sectors will outperform each other. So for me and for my investors, our advice is to look at the potential returns between the two and it complements in most cases. Right. Okay. Um, I want to talk about another form of hedge in against inflation, right? Which is uh, bonds, you know. I mean, what's your view on the lack of an active retail bond market in Malaysia? I have a, a different view in this as well. Uh, number one, if you are retail investors, unless you use a buy and hold till maturity strategy, uh, bond investment still requires active management, in my opinion. And Malaysians are not lack of unit trust bond funds that can serve the purpose in lieu of an active retail bond market. And it's more than that, as you pointed out, the knowledge on bonds, the concentration, if you are buying only a single or very few bonds uh, and the accessibility of a bond platform when you need to trade. Number two, there are many ways to hedge against inflation. There are alternatives. We have pointed out REITs. There are global multi-assets with options. We have also pointed out income funds, uh, global resources such as gold, materials, energy, uh, even currency. We provide different share classes among some of our unit trust funds. So speak to us. Uh, should you need uh, a retail bond to help you hedge your, against your inflation? And that's all the time for today's episode of Ringgit and Cents. I've been speaking to Ng Zihao, the Head of Retail Wealth Distribution with Manulife Investment Management. I'm Simwi Boon from The Morning Run. Join us again next week for more discussions on personal finance. We have the 10 a.m. news bulletin coming up next, followed by Enterprise BFM 89.9. Ringgit and Cents on BFM 89.9, the business station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. 
To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.